fucking crispy recording. <laughs> crispy apple. Oh man. Well, Blacktop Pulpit. Uh, still in our Advent season. This is Advent Round 2, 2021 Douglas Reform Church. Uh, so, let me hear your thoughts. Uh, what would you what'd you think about the sermon on Sunday? Am I supposed to be prepared right now? Because you totally caught me off guard with that question. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, here, here's where I'll start off with. I love, I love that we, we, we were in Revelation. Um, at, at Christmas time. At Christmas the Book of time. Revelation. That's fantastic. Well, we sing that song, right? The kingdom of this world <laughs> is become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and yes. ever. That's a, that's a Christmas song. That's Absolutely. the book of Revelation. That's fantastic. So, <laughs> so, so the writers of that song obviously post mill understood what was going on, <laughs> <laughs> and somewhere we kind of forgot. I don't know where the disconnect was, but yet we still sing the song every year. Yeah, and that's great. So, so every church in essence is post mill. They just don't realize well, it when Christmas time rolls around. <laughs> yep. When, when Christmas it, time, especially. When they start singing Why y'all music? singing about the kingdom of God? <laughs> On the earth, expanding. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm. I, uh, I, I think one of the, the first things... So this, just to, to mention, we were in Revelation 21, 9 to 27. And one of the things... A lot of verses, yes. It was a lot of verses, but it was great. It worked out very well. Um. I think one of the things that really stood out initially um, was this 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 apparent pride of Christ for his church. Yeah. And that, like, I think from just a, a very, like, human standpoint, as I, you know, as I look at my self-worth and I think of who I am as a man... Or if I could think of other people, like reflecting on who they are as individuals, when we look at where we get our value, and you look at Jesus looking at his church and like boasting and rejoicing over who she yeah. is, that that I think was very apparent in this passage that jumped out to me. Yeah. Well, and there's this there's this uh, tendency I see in. Religion that sometimes refers to itself as Christian, but is actually worldly religion, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the tendency is self-abasement for the purpose of holiness, right? Right. right? Um, nowhere do we see that in Scripture. A self-abasement doesn't actually earn holiness. In Colossians, Paul writes to the believers at Colossae, and he and he says, uh, "Do not touch, do not taste. Um, don't you know these are." human rules and they have actually no value to curb mm-hmm. self-indulgence like sure they have no value whatsoever and i you know i have pictures of martin luther um beating himself beating his mm. flesh mm-hmm. you know um the gnostics would would do the same as a gnostic practice right um, beat the flesh because the flesh is evil and the spirit is good so right. ignore everything seems fleshly and we just see something totally different here it's christ going don't you know you are glorious? Mm-hmm. Not because of yourselves, but because of the glory with which I have clothed you. Right. This is how you should see yourself. And it's beautiful. It's it, wonderful. It certainly is. And I think I think that's one of the many aspects of Revelation where 
too many Christians are missing out on the glories of it. One of the things <laughs> I don't, I'm jumping a little, I might be jumping ahead a little bit, but we'll jump all over the place here, but why not? It's black top pulpit. Yeah, it's black top pulpit. <laughs> Everything goes. You know, I had this imagery <laughs> because we're talking about the new Jerusalem in this passage, right? Mm. And <laughs> I, I get this imagery of what has become a popular kind of looking forward or looking up into the clouds and just this, you know, I, I've heard people describe it like, you know, I'd go outside and just kind of look up and pray, Lord, come, come down, come down, like, you know, wait for him to ride in on the clouds. And, you know, like I, I have this imagery where there's like a group of people outside waiting for Jesus in the clouds and they're all just staring up into the sky and, and looking off into nothing. Like dodo and, birds. And, um, yeah. <laughs> and, and among the group is Jesus. <laughs> and he says, what y'all looking at? What y'all looking at? <laughs> like he's, he's like here. <laughs> and his kingdom is here. And his, his, his kingdom is, is expanding. And everyone's looking off like waiting for something. It's like. It's here. And again, it's, it's that here. same yeah. sadness that comes with that, that picture that was when we were going through this passage. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking. There's too many people looking off and waiting and missing the joy of the present reign of Christ. That's right. Just missing it. So I had that picture when I was looking at that, and that that really struck me hard, too. Um, Again, not from some, like, I know what I'm talking about. No, it's like, (laughs) like, literally, like, this is, it really saddens me that there's, I think one of the, one of the aspects of the dullness of the professing church today is rooted in a bad eschatology. Um, I think that's right. Well, and you listen to James White on occasion. Love him, yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so James White, um, just recently, within the last year, has started saying stuff like, because um, he didn't major on his eschatology for a long time. Right, right. He recently became post-mill, mm-hmm. right, in his conversations with uh, Doug Wilson, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's, he's now saying that eschatology is going to be the foundational issue in the coming years for the Christian church. No kidding. Uh, and I, I believe that huh. part, I, I certainly see it becoming a, a large issue because people are questioning the status quo. Now they're questioning the dispensational look at things. Right. So the dispensationals are having to really focus on defending their eschatology and all the these other eschatological ideas are coming out, and, and as a church, we're going to have to be working through that in a very biblically centered way, not just trying to defend tradition. That's awesome. That yeah, would I be really so. good for the church. It would be very good for the church. I think mostly, uh, not mostly for that reason, but I think I think I haven't seen an attempt really for people to defend dispensationalism because once you start to try to, it kind of just unravels itself. Yeah. You know, and, and it's that, very difficult. And then once you once you do start to question it, not not even in a way that says you know what I'm going to disbelieve this just going into it, but like I'll believe what I see and I'm going to go into it. I'm going to figure this out, yeah. you know. Which and is I, and I was dispensational two years right. ago. Right, I think <laughs> everybody was. <laughs> you know? Yeah, <laughs> maybe not two years ago. I know. I know. I, I, I mean, everybody was. Growing I think up. our generation, everyone yeah. was dispensational yeah. growing up. Met oh, myself included. Yeah, and and, and my my shift took years um and i took this approach of my shift like, took reading the book of revelation yeah 
if I if I had had support um, when I started, it was you have to you have to look historic to find post millennial writers and stuff like that, and and yeah, you have to they go. weren't called that, which yeah. makes it more difficult. Right. You can't look up post mill theology and find the old you know church fathers no, that, not not before 120 years ago right which is when the big dispensational movement happened. right <laughs> which made researching really difficult for me because when i started man i was the lone guy that was challenging this view and starting to look at things differently and and there, there was no one around me that i can go to there wasn't people i could really find on the internet which is rare too because one of my favorite pastors of all time is probably john piper and he's dispensational John MacArthur dispensational. You know, it's like, I so I didn't have anyone. I think that the first guy I stumbled on, and it, it, it took a, a couple years until yeah, really learned about him was uh, Doug Wilson, and and, yeah. and he's yeah. become so a you great have help those guys like like Wilson and like Ben Merkel, who actually serves under Wilson at St Andrews College, right? Oh, yeah. Ben Merkel. Yeah. Um, so you got him. You've got guys like Vody Bacham. Mm. Um, so he's up there, right? Uh, you've got, who else do you have that's a name people would know? There aren't many, I guess, are there? Um, Durbin. Oh yeah. I consider him pretty yeah, Durbin. smart. Oh yeah, Durbin, so. James White. Um, he's still, he's still earning his, his leaf, so to speak, because he's, he's younger and people, when, when it comes to like you know, older theologians and scholars, like you have to, you have to have gray in your beard, right? I do. I, I there do. you go. <laughs> but no, he's, he's, he's a smart whip, man. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I, I loved, you know, stumbling on him a while back when he was doing his, his Mormon evangelism. Oh yeah. That's, that's the first time I ever heard of him. I think that's probably the first time most people heard of him. And then his ministry just grew off of that. Yeah, I think so. So, what do you think about this idea? Because we mentioned this in the sermon, that the gates of the New Jerusalem. So, New Jerusalem is the church, mm. right? The gates of the New Jerusalem are the twelve tribes of Israel. What do you think about that idea that in order for anyone to enter the kingdom of heaven, they must enter through the nation of Israel? And what does it, I mean? <laughs> right. <All> right. <laughs> so. <laughs> so Oh man, this is this is a topic. Actually, I might have even took <laughs> you, a you couple might have a note notes on, on that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, while I'm while I'm skimming through here, I I'll, I'll just say you've brought that up the idea up before, and I wrestle through it. Um, I totally see where the ideas. Pre- like derived from and I don't and the, the struggle I have is this I think uh, I think I'm still coming into understanding of the idea I don't I don't generally like the idea of looking back in a way that um, looks at national Israel I think that we're supposed to look forward so when I hear I hear you talk about it I totally understand and affirm like this idea like well that's because what is true Israel? Jesus. So when, yeah. yeah, when you talk in that way, um, that clicks and makes sense in my head. When I think of looking back to national Israel, I think that's where my my reason and understanding breaks apart. 
and and it's trying to look through it slower. Yeah. So, and I need more explanation. Repetitively, I think. Repetitively, if, um, yeah. Because I think the issue is, like I said, it's not, it's not wrong at all. It's right. It's 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 what is Israel, and when we when we define Israel properly, like Paul did, mm-hmm. or where it's not a it's not a matter of blood, but of of promise. Yeah. Well, you know? and even and even when Paul writes about national Israel, when biological Israel, right? Yeah. Even when he writes about them in relation to the gospel. He writes crazy stuff like the gospel was given first to the Jews and then the Gentiles. Yep. Yep. And, and I think it's the same idea, mm-hmm. right? Um, they are the biological, the national people of promise. So the promise was given to them first mm-hmm. and then through them to us. It's not that we have to become Jews, become part of national Israel, right. but that the promise was handed through them and we receive it through them, right? Yep. And so we, in, in that way, we enter the gates, yep. national Israel. Um, and that purpose has never gone from national Israel. Right? So what would be the relation to the, the 12 tribes? What do you mean? Your question, your original question about the the entering through the 12 tribes of Israel or the 12 elders. Was it the elders or tribes? That you tribes. Question? Yeah. tribes. The names of the tribes written on the uh-huh. gates, right? Or on the angels, which doesn't make sense. But so I think it's the <laughs> gates. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I really think John is mentioning all 12 tribes there just as a symbol of national Israel as a whole. This is the whole of national Israel. And he mentions the 12 tribes there, which is really interesting because um, the 12 tribes aren't going to exist forever. Mm. Right? So there are two tribes left that we know of. Right? Two pure tribes left in Israel in our day. Mm. Um, And so it, it can't be the case that this is somehow symbolic of the way things will be at some point in the future. Sure. Uh, if we interpret it that way, we have to believe that the 10 other tribes will be found in their purity, which is not possible. Um, right. they've, they've been lost. They've intermarried. They intermarried Babylon, mm-hmm. right? And disper- like gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we read this in a dispensational way, something really miraculous has to happen in order to recover a pure tribe, um, 10 pure tribes at that um, but if we read this like I think John intends for us to read it, uh, it's just as symbolic of all of Israel. Mm-hmm. And the scriptures did come from all twelve tribes, right. right? And the scriptures are the things, are 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 the words through which we know Christ and know about Christ and know about the work God is doing and know the gospel. Mm-hmm. And that's what has been handed down to us from all twelve tribes, uh, which I think is worth I think it's worth saying. Yeah, right? yeah, for sure. I don't know if that got at your question at all. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm also just, I think it might just be a matter of understanding how you speak to. <laughs> it think, is different. I, I think it's different. When, when we get down to the nuts and bolts of this, like we have repetitively said the same thing and reaffirmed the same thing over and over again. So I think, I think I'm just learning how you talk sometimes. <laughs> Learning your language. What are your language? Midwesterner. <laughs> Midwesterner who went to college. It's you. It's you educated people. Sure, educated. <laughs> yeah, go and get your your masters and your bachelors and go for your doctorates. Oh, and... <laughs> I did accidentally earn that extra degree too. Well, it's you know great that, when right? you get accidentally earn degrees. <laughs> hey, would you also like it? What was it? <laughs> a... Hey. You have enough credits to get this degree. Would you like it? <laughs> sure. Yes. Sure. <laughs> Send it on down. <laughs> uh, 
What about the idea that the church of Jesus Christ, New Jerusalem, is built upon the foundation of the Twelve Apostles? What about that one? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Wait a the, minute. The, the, I thought the... Jesus was the foundation. <laughs> Explain that to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, this this gets at the the passages in First Corinthians that we're going through um, and trying to understand. Even like you, you one of your sermons. Um, actually, that'd probably be a good one to to link in this this episode because um, one of the sermons that you talked on was was looking at like is is this what are these gifts of the spirit? Is this a chronological overview? And you, mm. you kind of went into all that, and that was interesting too. Um, I think I think um, without much argumentation we have to acknowledge that uh, the the apostles are the foundation of the church because um jesus when mm. he gave peter like you mentioned the keys to the kingdom um that i mean what else what else would that be right um well and there are people who take that passage what is it like matthew chapter 11 right mm-hmm. take that passage peter's confession of the christ and jesus revealing to peter you didn't receive this from people the father revealed this to you uh, by the way, Peter, you are my rock. You are the foundation. I will mm-hmm. build my church upon you. Here are the keys to the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever you bound on earth will be will be bound in heaven. Mm-hmm. Like that's the language Jesus used when talking to Peter. And people will look at that passage and they'll preach it like this. And Johnny Mac does this. Right? Oh, like the truth of the confession, the right? Tr- yeah. Is that, so what, is that the, the difference? The, the truth of the confession. Yeah. Or some people will even take it uh, and, and say that. Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, you are my rock. And then Jesus gestured to himself, and on this rock I will be in the church. But that's not at all what the text gives us. It's like when Jesus is prophesying about the kingdom. The kingdom's at hand, and all of a sudden he says, and there will be people here that that see me coming in in my kingdom before they taste death. It's like, oh, well, no, that all of a sudden was like a miraculous shift forward. and So it's the same type of idea. Yeah, the same type of idea. So, so... Within this generation, people do this too. Matthew chapter twenty-four. Yeah. Like within this generation, you will see all these signs and the coming of the king. Yep. Right. Um, Jesus taught that to that generation. Yep. And people do some weird arithmetic to try mm-hmm. to try to get around that. But no, Jesus quite literally meant this generation. That's like right. The generation that was right there. That's yep. what he meant. Uh, so yeah, people do all kinds of weird. Same, stuff same type of gymnastics going on. With yeah. <laughs> yeah. Number gymnastics. Word gymnastics, mm-hmm. scripture gymnastics. I don't think the Bible wants to be a gymnast. No, it, it, <laughs> can I, we put that on a T-shirt? The Bible's not a gymnast. Well, it, even <laughs> when you look at that authority in the, the beginning of of the, of the the like what what Jesus was giving authority to the apostles with, um, he continued when he gave uh, the binding and loosing. Um, was it that wasn't that that same passage in Matthew 11 was it when he talked about church discipline um so he talked they, they he talks about um church oh, discipline yeah, and this Matthew is where 18 yeah this is where yeah. like the catholic church kind of you know, again we could talk about a lot of the kind of going off the walls here on on when it comes to like forgiving or or what you bind in forgiving or putting out people mm-hmm. so this is like one of those those really mind-boggling passages because um, Jesus, Jesus tells the, I mean, you could call them the elders. I mean, we could, we'd say, are they talking apostles or are we talking elders? 
I mean, and this is where the Catholic Church kind of says, well, it's apostolic succession, and we mm-hmm. now have the, the authority to forgive. The Pope or, has the keys. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I would, I would say, like, it was the foundation of the elders, and I'd say, like, likewise today, it carries through in the elders of a church, like, the in this, like, mind-boggling reality of having, like, what you bind or loose on on earth will be bound and what we bind and loose in heaven will be bound or what we bind on earth will be bound in heaven what you loose on earth will be bound in heaven so this idea like when Jesus is talking about church discipline and authority and the keys to the kingdom of God like um, we are careful with that reality because uh-huh. we don't as individuals declare right. somebody in the kingdom or out of it mm-hmm. but like this is where we got to be careful not to do gymnastics either, because there's something very miraculous where, where, if, where, where if, if Christ called, Christ equipped, like spirit filled elders of a church gather and rightly determine, like based off of your sin, based off of your unrepentance, unrepentance and your perseverance yeah. in that, um, you are being placed outside the church, and that earthly placing outside of the church is a picture of. The spiritual reality that is already in place that the elders recognize. Yeah. Yeah. It's being bound. Mm-hmm. It's being bound in, in what's happening. So. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, it's, even no matter how you look at that, um, and that's, that's why I would say, well, it's already done, but it's already, it's already being done as well, but it's like... The same concept of yeah. election. Well, well, when were you saved? Well, before, before, before the foundation before the of the earth. <laughs> it's like, but then when we talk about it, we talk about it in a present sense. You know, oh, when I was, you know, twenty, or when I was eighteen, or when I went after Bible college. Or, you know, so. Well, and when people say I got saved, what they mean is I experienced conversion. Right. 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 They were saved from before the foundation of the world, but we experienced conversion at a moment in time, and that's. Yeah. But we but we use the saved language to to mean conversion because American Christians haven't been taught the difference between salvation and conversion sure, in sure. church, right? Um, because many pastors don't know the difference between salvation and conversion. Right. Uh, it does matter who you listen to and what kind of church you plug into. Yeah. If, if Jesus knew the name of all his sheep that he died for and imputed his righteousness to at the moment of his death, that's, that's that's when you were saved. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, which is the language Jesus uses, uh, incidentally, right? Mm. Uh, whatever you bind on earth has been bound in heaven. Right. That's the way Jesus says it. Mm. Has been has been bound. Like it's it's already decided. Yeah. In heaven. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. What about this? Uh, no temple in the New Jerusalem. <laughs> what, what are your thoughts there? That's it like, was shattered to pieces for a reason. <laughs> you mean it was God's plan for the temple to be gone? Yeah. Oh, didn't Jesus hint at that when he talked to the Samaritan woman at the well? <laughs> there is coming a day when you will neither worship on this mountain or that. That's the right. Father is seeking for himself worshipers who will worship in spirit and in truth. truth. Yep, that's right. Not at the temple. And you know what's weird is that that's what we're doing. It's not something, again, <laughs> that we're waiting to do later. Okay, so people will take that verse too, like Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Uh-huh. And they'll say, doesn't that mean it's not really that important to go to church? Oh, The local church is not the temple. 
<laughs> not the temple. No, that doesn't apply right. <laughs> to the local church. Um, not to the local church gathering. He's not saying don't worship. He's, he's saying, saying he's how saying, he's saying, you will be. He's saying, I am now the temple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that doesn't mean gathering is unimportant. He didn't say synagogue will no longer be important. He said, you won't have to worship at the temple. Yeah. That's something totally different. And he is the temple and we are his body. So the the temple, I mean, is the gathered church. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, in essence, it's it's Jesus is the temple. We are the body of Christ. Yeah, we are. We are his body. He is. We are his building. We are the house head. he is building. Yep, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And if you're not among he's the, us, he's the temple. We're the city. <laughs> yeah, there it is. You got to be in the city. <laughs> in the city. Oh man, no need of sun or moon. That doesn't mean there won't be any sun or moon. What do you mm. think about that idea? God created those good. Um, therefore, he probably has use for them. <laughs> right? Yeah. If that's his design, why would he contradict his design later? Um, yeah, so there probably will be sun and moon, but God's glory will outshine them, I think is what the text is getting at. Yeah. Right? Plus, this isn't literalistic anyways. This is all symbolism. <laughs> Well, unless you want to just jump back and forth in your inconsistent hermeneutic, <laughs> which is usually what people do when they hit Revelation. Yes. You know, we, we won't talk about the opening chapter in, in chapter one, where John talks about when, where, and how. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we'll yeah. ignore that part. He actually, he actually just says that explicitly. Interesting. Yeah. Hey, it's me. It's John. Partaker with you in the, well, the tribulation. <laughs> Greg, Greg Bonson, in his commentary on the book of Revelation... Um, actually in his book about, no, yeah, it's commentary in the book of Revelation. Um, he said, he said, uh, dispensationals want to accuse post-millennials and preteristic readers of the book of Revelation of playing fast and loose with the text of scripture and jumping quickly to an allegorical interpretation, which is, we, which we just don't do. Yeah. Right. Uh, we interpret, especially the book of Revelation, literally. Mm-hmm. Um, but he says there's a difference between interpreting it literally and literalistically. Mm-hmm. And they want to interpret it literalistically. But they want to pick and choose what they interpret literalistically. Right. And so they'll say they'll say things like, no, all of these cataclysms and the wrath of God being poured out on the earth, all that is literalistically exactly what it looks like in the book of revelation, all those signs and wonders and stuff. But then as soon as they start talking about the beast, they say, no, that represents an antichrist. Right. (laughs) All right. So who is, who is interpreting this allegorically and and playing fast and loose with the text of scripture? Well, well, just let the evidence show. Yeah. (laughs) You know, all you have to do is, is be part of a study of more than one passage. That's it. That's it. <laughs> See what they say when you yeah. get to the next chapter. Mm-hmm. I think you also highlighted that too. I haven't quoted you in a while. I actually quoted you on my notes. So I thought, <laughs> I thought this was funny. Anything that I do like is really insightful or just hilarious to me. I, I, I sometimes jot down. So, so this was your, this is your statement. Christ isn't married to a city. That would be weird. <laughs> It's funny. Do I need but any it's more true. explanation? Right. Than that? It's, like, <laughs> it's like, so are, are we interpreting this literally? And, and, okay, so this New Jerusalem, it's like really a city coming down that Jesus is married to. 
<laughs> yeah, like that would be Christ a liter- that would be a literalistic interpretation. That's what yeah. that would be. Yeah. But literally, you say, "Well, what does John intend for this to mean?" Right. Like that's what interpreting it literally means. And he says that the city is the bride of Christ. So that's right. what it represents, literally, right there, explicitly in the text. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh man, something that's funny. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> by ooh, by its light, the nations will walk. By the church's light, the New Jerusalem, mm. the nations of the earth will walk. Uh, when I was walking through that, what, what were you thinking? What was going through your mind? You know what's always <laughs> going through my mind. <laughs> Post millennials will be the kingdom of God taking over the world, right? And so I'm looking at, you know, the, the, the light of... And, I mean, this is what we all grew up singing in Sunday school. <laughs> like, what's the song? This, this little, little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Like, like we're, we're raised, at least in, in some it, correct I'm areas. Gonna, no, <laughs> yeah. gonna let it shine. <laughs> So we're taught this, and then all of a sudden, like, you know, again, living a little inconsistently or saying, oh, this generation is just destructive and and evil, and we're just going to, like, condemn them. No, like, like we're literally supposed to go out and, and, like, conquer the world for Christ in in not a warring type way, but in a gospel proclamation type way. We go forward, and this is, this is where we're supposed to proclaim Christ and not just like love, 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 like it's no, 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 Jesus said, I am king. Take my message to the world and teach others how to submit to me as king. I mean, like teach others to obey all that I commanded yeah. you. Yep. That's in the great commission. And that's the light that we shine <laughs> yeah. is, is we go forward teaching others how to submit to Christ as king. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's and, simple. And hopefully, setting that example, right? Right. right. And yeah, the nations are supposed to look at us, the church, mm-hmm. as as the way, the way the to way. be. And and we are. I think this is where we've also just fallen apart in all kinds of ways with all of our different denominations and groups and gatherings. Not that any of that inherently is wrong, but like we we have come to a point. I think. That is unhealthy. Where we just say, "Oh well, that's the the Presby's, or oh, those are the Baptists, or oh no, those are the Charismatics." You know, it's like, and we just have our own isolated groups where we we don't confront bad teaching or wrong teaching anymore. Because if we're supposed to be the light, and then you have a group of people saying, "Oh, we're the we're the light of the world," and and the light that they're proclaiming is is heretical or you know, antithetical to the gospel, like we have to we have to call that out in a loving way. Because then the nations are going to be super confused about who's speaking the truth and, well, and why do they disagree over not it. Not only that, but local churches, sincere, genuine local churches, should mm-hmm. also be edifying one another. Right. Right. Not right. competing, right. not getting in this weird, <laughs> my theology is so much better than yours. <laughs> we have, we run more people than you. We have a bigger budget and a bigger building than you have. Right. Uh, like, that's just childish. Yeah, um, yeah, sure. No, we is. should be edifying one another. Yeah, yeah. if we're all on the same team here, yeah. <laughs> all proclaiming. I mean, if if the goal is is the spread of the gospel, which is the the church multiplying, because wherever the gospel uh, converts hearts, um, churches are formed. Mm-hmm. So if you know, again, even in a little town like Douglas, where you got 
you know, between fifteen and seventeen thousand people, you're not going to have a church. Not the smallest town I've been in. No, <laughs> but it just—I don't think it would be feasible to have one church. Like, let's say, well, there's one true church in Douglas, and and let's say there's you know half of the there population. Is. The that Church is... of Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, there is one true church. Yeah, but what, not one local gathering. Oh, right, right. Um, that's right. And that's that's where I'm getting at. It's like, it's like, that's where you're saying we should be edifying each other. It's like, yes, because there should be multiple healthy local congregations that work together in some way or another to yeah. make sure that we're also doing the one another's, even if we are not gathering as the local congregation. Right. All as one people. Because, man, can you imagine having... Let's say, you know, 6,000 people here, Christians, self-professing Christians, and trying to have a church of 6,000 people. Like, I we just... We can do it. <laughs> we can do it. <laughs> Let's try, I mean, we won't know until we try. <laughs> no, no, we can do it. We, we could do it. It would take incredible, like, understanding of doing things biblically. So if we had a church of 6,000 people, we would have, what, around 1,000 a, a elders? <laughs> you know, it, it, it would... It would have to be up there, um, so I guess it's feasible. Yeah. Um, but but a, I think a thousand elders with a small executive board. <laughs> a thousand elders making all the executive decisions would be a lot. Oh man! <laughs> oh, and that's where I think things would get complicated. Not that yeah. you couldn't do it, but the, the the mistake too many churches make as they grow is they they just grow and don't appoint more elders to mm-hmm. oversee. Because once once you once you grow past the amount of people that you know, you can shepherd. Yeah. Um, you, you need more hands on deck to right. do that work. And, right. And oh, which are... which means we promote from within. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. To That's put it right. In, to put it in the in worldly terms. Yeah. We we're not going to be putting out applications for elders and pastors. Out, no. 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 None of that. Uh, no, we promote from within. Like if if you're called to a place of ministry, if you have spiritual gifts you want to exercise. Our promise is, because it's our responsibility biblically, we will equip you. Yeah. We will plug you into a place of service. And if we don't, we will explain why. Right. 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 That's a faithful way to lead. That's absolutely. Hmm. What's that about the Lamb's Book of Life down there? The Lamb's Book of Life? It's <laughs> the last oh, yeah. verse, right? Only, only those who are in the Lamb's Book of Life will be part of the New Jerusalem. Mm. Hmm. Is this the same Book of Life that the prophets talked about in the Old Testament, I wonder? No, I think that's the one that the Pope has in his office. He's allowed oh, to and write and scribble out and erase write names. And, and blot out names. <laughs> yeah. Blasphemy. Blasphemy. That's what that is. Yeah, it's the... Uh... Is your name in that book? Is your name? That's old school, man. That's karma, isn't it? This you you brought this up, so this is okay, yeah. The, yes. the 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 Lamb's Book of Life. So I'm reading it. It, it triggered a thought of mine actually I had during uh, Sunday's service. Um, I love thinking through these things because when I first read it, I'm challenged with the thought. So, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, mm-hmm. nor anyone who does what is detestable or false. Well. If you stop there, I'm out. <laughs> Everybody, me too. I'm gone. You know, but we but don't stop only there. those who are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. 
Those and, who have been imputed with the righteousness yeah, of Christ. And you need a, wow. a you need a theology of of Christ's imputation to understand what this means mm-hmm. because there's a lot of ways you could butcher this because if 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 you recognize well I I am righteous because of what I am clothed in, which is Christ. That the whole idea of forgiveness, like repentance and forgiveness is Jesus died for me. He took upon my sin. I took upon his righteousness. It's not a one-way street. It was an exchange. Right. And when, when, when I can say with confidence, well, I, I was unclean, but Christ made me clean. So I will uh, enter into Christ's kingdom mm-hmm. because he wrote me in the Lamb's Book of Life. Yeah. He knew my name before I was created before anything was created and and he saved me from my death and that's that's what being in the lamb's book of life is and so I, I love that challenge and working through that because i just think man i'm unclean like what do you do with that but that's that's the glorious things to reflect on i love that i love that that's a revelation too right uh-huh. i love it yeah. well, all right is there anything else man Look at your notes real quick. <laughs> Look at my notes. Uh-huh. I don't want to miss anything fun. <laughs> I mean, we do have about five weeks we need to cover, so we didn't cover those. <laughs> five, you're talking about historically? Like the, the stuff we missed? The stuff we missed, yeah. Um, well, there, there, there's... and I know I know we've, we've hit this pretty hard, but um, tell me, I didn't put this in quotes, and I don't know if... I think you said this too, or maybe it was not a perfect quote but we we are the kingdom coming until the culmination at his second coming that I, you did say that. something like you that, said yeah. something along those lines yeah, i didn't yeah. quote it because I, I probably didn't remember it that's a good representation of what i probably said <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and i i think just like we kind of opened i think you know if if, if we'll kind of run out of things to talk about that's just a it's a it's just such a glorious thing mm-hmm. to recognize um, and herald and celebrate. Um, we are the kingdom of God, and we are spreading. And and if we're doing the work of of evangelism, like faithful evangelism, we're not just going around telling people like to pray a prayer oh. and you're right with God. We're saying like Jesus is King. This is what He commands of you, and He tells you you're a sinner. And we do that work, and there's. The gospel changes hearts, uh-huh. and then the kingdom of God is expanding here in physical form across the world. You thought COVID nineteen was bad? <laughs> wait till yes. wait, wait till the Holy Spirit <laughs> gets you. That's a good title for today. <laughs> you thought COVID nineteen was bad. If you thought COVID nineteen was bad. The kingdom of heaven is coming for you. <laughs> if you thought COVID was bad, Jesus. <laughs> but that, but that's, like, that's like all these pagan holidays. They're stupid. Became Christian, right? It's because yeah. Christ has taken them over. That's a good thing. Why do I have two Christmas trees in my house? What's up? One, two at church. Christ, Christ took that. That's right. <laughs> Belongs to me. Redeemed. Redeemed. Oh, you want to complain about how <laughs> you know everything seems pagan? Well, we'll take your holiday too. <laughs> Love it. Amen. I love it. 
Oh, yeah. No, this is a good cancer. That's all right. (laughs) Good cancer. We we coming for you. (laughs) (laughs) And guess what? All the kings of the earth will bring their glory into the kingdom of heaven, which means Mm. we inherit it all, too. Mm -hmm. All the technology, which is cool, right? Mm -hmm. All the technology, all the... All the various types of labor that we'll be able to enjoy forever. All the hobbies. Yeah, yeah. All, all the territory. Everything comes into the kingdom of heaven eventually. And How so those who are in Christ inherit it. So glorious. So you want to you, you know if you'll have a computer on the new earth? Probably. <laughs> you know if you'll have your sweet car? Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. There are dogs in heaven. Not all dogs go to heaven. But there, are, <laughs> there are probably dogs, you know. That's, yeah. <laughs> yep. hey, that's awesome. There you go. So Love it. He's saving the whole world. That's it. Perfect. Done. All right. Thank you guys for joining us this episode of Black Top Pulpit. Uh, remember to RSVP for our Christmas Eve service. We're going to have music and preaching. Woo! Preaching. And mm. oh, what else are we going to have? Oh, yeah. Food. Food. <laughs> and what else? Drinks. Drinking. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> going to have some brewskis and some vino. Some, that's what I'm talking about. All right. So. Be sure to RSVP for that. Uh, we're going to have a good time. And not a sinful time, but a good time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be great. Uh, we will eat and drink to the glory of our God. And we will mm. sing and we will engage his word to his glory. Uh, we hope to see you there. Be sure to RSVP. We want to have enough food. Yes. Go right now. RSVP. And we will see you this Sunday and next time on Black Top Pulpit. Blah, 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 blah,